Chapter 20 Hagrid's Tale Harry sprinted up to the boys' dormitories to fetch the invisibility cloak and the marauder's map from his trunk. He was so quick that he and Ron were ready to leave at least five minutes before Hermione hurried back down from the girls' dormitories, wearing scarf, gloves, and one of her own knobbly elf hats. "'Well, it's cold out there,' she said defensively, as Ron clicked his tongue impatiently. They crept through the portrait hole and covered themselves hastily in the cloak. Ron had grown so much he now needed to crouch to prevent his feet showing. Then— Moving slowly and cautiously, they proceeded down the many staircases, pausing at intervals to check on the map for signs of Filch or Mrs. Norris. They were lucky. They saw nobody but nearly headless Nick, who was gliding along, absent-mindedly humming something that sounded horribly like, "'Weasley is our king.' They crept across the entrance hall and out into the silent, snowy grounds. With a great leap of his heart, Harry saw little golden squares of light ahead, and smoke coiling up from Hagrid's chimney. He set off at a quick march, the other two jostling and bumping along behind him. They crunched excitedly through the thickening snow, until at last they reached the wooden front door. When Harry raised his fist and knocked three times, a dog started barking frantically inside. "'Hagrid, it's us!' Harry called through the keyhole. "'Should've known!' said a gruff voice. They beamed at each other under the cloak. They could tell by Hagrid's voice that he was pleased. "'Been home three seconds. Out the way, Fang! Out the way, you dozy dog!' The bolt was drawn back, the door creaked open, and Hagrid's head appeared in the gap. Hermione screamed. "'Merlin's beard, keep it down!' said Hagrid hastily, staring wildly over their heads. "'Under that cloak, are you? Well, get in, get in!' "'I'm sorry,' Hermione gasped, as the three of them squeezed past Hagrid into the house and pulled the cloak off themselves so he could see them. "'I just—oh, Hagrid!' "'It's nothing, it's nothing,' said Hagrid hastily, shutting the door behind them and hurrying to close all the curtains. But Hermione continued to gaze up at him in horror. Hagrid's hair was matted with congealed blood, and his left eye had been reduced to a puffy slit amid a mass of purple and black bruising. There were many cuts on his face and hands, some of them still bleeding, and he was moving gingerly, which made Harry suspect broken ribs. It was obvious that he had only just got home. A thick black travelling cloak lay over the back of a chair, and a haversack large enough to carry several small children leaned against the wall inside the door. Hagrid himself, twice the size of a normal man, was now limping over to the fire and placing a copper kettle over it. "'What happened to you?' Harry demanded, while Fang danced around them all, trying to lick their faces. "'Told you! Nothing!' said Hagrid firmly. "'Want a cuppa?' "'Come off it,' said Ron. "'You're in a right state.' "'I'm telling you, I'm fine,' said Hagrid, straightening up and turning to beam at them all, but wincing. "'Blimey, it's good to see you three again. Had good summers, did you?' "'Hagrid, you've been attacked,' said Ron. "'For the last time, it's nothing,' said Hagrid firmly. "'Would you say it was nothing if one of us turned up with a pound of mince instead of a face?' Ron demanded. 
"'You ought to go and see Madame Pumphrey, Hagrid,' said Hermione anxiously. "'Some of those cuts look nasty.' "'I'm dealing with it, all right?' said Hagrid repressively. He walked across to the enormous wooden table that stood in the middle of his cabin, and twitched aside a tea-towel that had been lying on it. Underneath was a raw, bloody, green-tinged steak, slightly larger than the average car-tire. "'You're not going to eat that, are you, Hagrid?' said Ron, leaning in for a closer look. "'It looks poisonous.' "'It's supposed to look like that. It's dragon meat,' Hagrid said. "'And I didn't get it to eat.' He picked up the steak and slapped it over the left side of his face. Greenish blood trickled down into his beard as he gave a soft moan of satisfaction. "'That's better. It helps with the stinging, you know.' "'So, are you going to tell us what's happened to you?' Harry asked. "'Can't, Harry. Top secret. More my job's worth to tell you that.' "'Did the giants beat you up, Hagrid?' asked Hermione quietly. Hagrid's fingers slipped on the dragon-stake, and it slid squelchily onto his chest. "'Giants?' said Hagrid, catching the stake before it reached his belt, and slapping it back over his face. "'Who said anything about giants? Who you been talking to? Who's told you what I've... Who said I've been... eh?' "'We guessed,' said Hermione apologetically. "'Oh, you did, did you?' said Hagrid, fixing her sternly with the eye that was not hidden by the stake. "'It was kind of obvious,' said Ron. Harry nodded. Hagrid glared at them, then snorted, threw the stake back onto the table, and strode over to the kettle, which was now whistling. "'Never known kids like you three for knowing more than you ought to,' he muttered, splashing boiling water into three of his bucket-shaped mugs. "'And I'm not complimenting you neither. Nosy, some would call it. Interfering.' But his beard twitched. "'So you have been to look for giants,' said Harry, grinning as he sat down at the table. Hagrid set tea in front of each of them, sat down, picked up his stake again, and slapped it back over his face. "'Yeah, all right,' he grunted. "'I have.' "'And you found them?' said Hermione in a hushed voice. "'Well, they're not that difficult to find, to be honest,' said Hagrid. "'Pretty big, see?' "'Where are they?' said Ron. "'Mountains.' said Hagrid unhelpfully. "'So why don't muggles—' "'They do,' said Hagrid darkly. "'Only their deaths are always put down to mountaineering accidents, aren't they?' He adjusted the stake a little, so that it covered the worst of the bruising. "'Come on, Hagrid, tell us what you've been up to,' said Ron. "'Tell us about being attacked by the giants, and Harry can tell you about being attacked by the Dementors.' Hagrid choked in his mug and dropped his stake at the same time. A large quantity of spit, tea, and dragon blood was sprayed over the table as Hagrid coughed and spluttered, and the stake slid with a soft splat onto the floor. "'What do you mean, attacked by dementors?' growled Hagrid. "'Didn't you know?' Hermione asked him, wide-eyed. "'I don't know anything that's been happening since I left. I was on a secret mission, wasn't I?' "'Didn't want owls following me all over the place. "'Ruddy dementors! You're not serious!' "'Yeah, I am. They turned up in Little Whinging and attacked my cousin and me, "'and then the Ministry of Magic expelled me.' "'What?' "'And I had to go to a hearing and everything. "'But tell us about the giants first. "'You were expelled? "'Tell us about your summer 
and I'll tell you about mine. Hagrid glared at him through his one open eye. Harry looked right back, an expression of innocent determination on his face. Oh, all right, Hagrid said in a resigned voice. He bent down and tugged the dragon stake out of Fang's mouth. Oh, Hagrid, don't! It's not hygiene! Hermione began, but Hagrid had already slapped the meat back over his swollen eye. He took another fortifying gulp of tea, then said, Well, we set off right after term ended. Madame Maxine went with you then, Hermione interjected. Yeah, that's right, said Hagrid, and a softened expression appeared on the few inches of face that were not obscured by beard or green steak. Yeah, it was just a pair of us. And I tell you this, she's not afraid of roughing it, Olymp. Heh, <laughs> you know, she's a fine, well-dressed woman, and knowing where we was going, I wondered how she'd feel about clambering over boulders and sleeping in caves and that, but she never complained once. You knew where you were going? Harry asked. You knew where the giants were? Well, Dumbledore knew, and he told us, said Hagrid. Are they hidden? asked Ron. Is it a secret where they are? Not really, said Hagrid, shaking his shaggy head. It's just that most wizards aren't bothered where they are, so long as it's a good long way away. But where they are is very difficult to get to, for humans anyway, so we needed Dumbledore's instructions. Took us about a month to get there. A month, said Ron, as though he had never heard of a journey lasting such a ridiculously long time. But why couldn't you just grab a port key or something? There was an odd expression in Hagrid's unobscured eye as he squinted at Ron. It was almost pitying. "'We're being watched, Ron,' he said gruffly. "'What do you mean?' "'You don't understand,' said Hagrid. "'The Ministry's keeping an eye on Dumbledore and anyone they reckon's in league with him. And we know about that,' said Harry quickly, keen to hear the rest of Hagrid's story. "'We know about the Ministry watching Dumbledore.' "'So you couldn't use magic to get there?' asked Ron, looking thunderstruck. "'You had to act like muggles all the way?' "'Well, not exactly all the way,' said Hagrid cagily. "'We just had to be careful, cos Olymp and me, we stick out a bit.' Ron made a stifled noise somewhere between a snort and a sniff, and hastily took a gulp of tea. "'So we're not hard to follow. "'We was pretending we was going on holiday together.' So we got into France, and we made like we was heading for where Olymp's school is, cos we knew we was being tailed by someone from the Ministry. We had to go slow, cos I'm not really supposed to use magic, and we knew the Ministry be looking for a reason to run us in. But we managed to give the Burt tailing us the slip round about Dijon. "'Oh, Dijon!' said Hermione excitedly. "'I've been there on holiday. Did you see—' She fell silent at the look on Ron's face. We chanced a bit of magic after that, and it wasn't a bad journey. Ran into a couple of mad trolls on the Polish border, and I had a slight disagreement with a vampire in a pub in Minsk. But apart from that, couldn't have been smoother. And then we reached the place, and we started trekking up through the mountains, looking for signs of them. We had to lay off the magic once we got near them, partly because they don't like wizards, and we didn't want to put their backs up too soon and partly because Dumbledore had warned us you-know-who was bound to be after the giants and all, said it was odds-on he had sent a messenger off to him already, told us to be very careful of drawing attention to ourselves as we got nearer, in case there was Death Eaters around. 
Hagrid paused for a long draught of tea. "'Go on,' said Harry urgently. "'Found him,' said Hagrid boldly. "'Went over a ridge one night, and there they was, spread out underneath us, little fires burning below and huge shadows. It was like watching bits of the mountain moving.' "'How big are they?' asked Ron in a hushed voice. "'About twenty feet,' said Hagrid casually. "'Some of the bigger ones might have been twenty-five. "'And how many were there?' asked Harry. "'I reckon about seventy or eighty, said Hagrid. "'Is that all?' said Hermione. "'Yeah,' said Hagrid sadly. Eighty left, and there was loads once. "'Must have been a hundred different tribes from all over the world.' but they've been dying out for ages. Wizards killed a few, of course, but mostly they killed each other, and now they're dying out faster than ever. They're not made to live bunched up together like that. Dumbledore says it's our fault. It was the wizards who forced them to go and made them live a good long way away from us, and they had no choice but to stick together for their own protection. So, said Harry, you saw them, and then what? Well, "'We waited till morning, didn't want to go sneaking up on them in the dark, for our own safety,' said Hagrid. "'About three in the morning they fell asleep, just where they were sitting. "'We didn't dare sleep. "'For one thing, we wanted to make sure none of them woke up and came up where we were. "'And for another, the snoring was unbelievable. "'Caused an avalanche near morning. "'Anyway, once it was light, we went down to see him. "'Just like that,' said Ron, looking awestruck. "'You just walked right into a giant camp.' "'Well, Dumbledore told us how to do it,' said Hagrid. "'Give the Gurg gifts. Show some respect, you know.' "'Give the what gifts?' asked Harry. "'Oh, uh, the Gurg means the chief. "'How could you tell which one was the Gurg?' asked Ron. "'Hagrid grunted in amusement. <laughs> oh, "'No problem,' he said. "'He was the biggest, the ugliest, and the laziest.' "'sitting there waiting to be brought food by the others. "'Dead goats and such like. "'Name it Parkus. "'I'd put him at twenty-two, twenty-three feet, "'and the weight of a couple of bull elephants, "'skin like rhino-hide and all.' "'And you just walked up to him?' said Hermione breathlessly. "'Well, down to him, where he was lying in the valley. "'They was in this dip between four pretty high mountains, see, "'beside a mountain lake.' and Carcass was lying by the lake, roaring at the others to feed him and his wife. Olymp and I went down the mountainside. But didn't they try and kill you when they saw you? asked Ron incredulously. It was definitely on some of their minds, said Hagrid, shrugging. But we did what Dumbledore told us to do, which was to hold our gift up high, and keep our eyes on the gurg, and ignore the others. So that's what we did. And the rest of them went quiet, and watched us pass, and we got right up to Carcass's feet, and we bowed, and put our present down in front of him. "'What do you give a giant?' asked Ron eagerly. "'Food?' "'Nah, he can get food all right for himself,' said Hagrid. "'We took him magic. Giants like magic, just don't like us using it against him. Anyway, that first day we gave him a branch of Gubrathian fire.' Hermione said, "'Wow!' softly, but Harry and Ron both frowned in puzzlement. "'A branch of everlasting fire,' said Hermione irritably. "'You ought to know that by now. "'Professor Flitwick's mentioned it at least twice in class.' "'Well, anyway,' said Hagrid quickly, "'intervening before Ron could answer back. 
Dumbledore bewitched this branch to burn forevermore, which isn't something any wizard could do, and so I lies it down in the snow by Carcass's feet, and says, A gift to the Gurg of the Giants from Albus Dumbledore, who sends his respectful greetings. And what did Carcass say? asked Harry eagerly. Nothing, said Hagrid. Didn't speak English. You're kidding. Didn't matter, said Hagrid imperturbably. Dumbledore had warned us that might happen. Carcass knew enough to yell for a couple of giants who knew our lingo, and they translated for us. And did he like the present? asked Ron. Oh, yeah. It went down a storm once they understood what it was, said Hagrid, turning his dragon stake over to press the cooler side to his swollen eye. Very pleased. So then I said, Albus Dumbledore asks the Gurg to speak with his messenger when he returns tomorrow with another gift. Why couldn't you speak to them that day? asked Hermione. Dumbledore wanted us to take it very slow, said Hagrid. Let them see we kept our promises. We'll come back tomorrow with another present, and then we do come back with another present. Gives a good impression, see? And gives them time to test out the first present and find out it's a good one, and get them eager for more. In any case, giants like Carcass overload them with information, and they'll kill you just to simplify things. So we bowed out of the way and went off and found ourselves a nice little cave to spend that night in, and the following morning we went back, and this time we found Carcass sitting up, waiting for us, looking all eager. And you talked to him? Oh, yeah. First we presented him with a nice battle helmet, goblin-made and indestructible, you know, and then we sat down and we talked. What did he say? Not much, said Hagrid. Listen, mostly. But there were good signs. He'd heard a Dumbledore. Heard he'd argued against the kinning of the last giants in Britain. Carker seemed to be quite interested in what Dumbledore had to say. And a few of the others, especially the ones who had some English, they gathered round and listened too. We were hopeful when we left that day. Promised to come back next morning with another present. But that night it all went wrong. What do you mean? said Ron quickly. Well, like I say, they're not meant to live together, giants, said Hagrid sadly. Not in big groups like that. They can't help themselves. They half kill each other every few weeks. The men fight each other and the women fight each other. The remnants of the old tribes fight each other. And that's even without squabbles over food and the best fires and sleeping spots. You'd think, seeing as how their whole race is about finished, they'd lay off each other. But... Hagrid sighed deeply. That night a fight broke out. We saw it from the mouth of our cave, looking down on the valley. Went on for hours. You wouldn't believe the noise. And when the sun came up, the snow was scarlet, and his head was lying at the bottom of the lake. "'Whose head?' gasped Hermione. "'Carcasses,' said Hagrid heavily. "'There was a new gurg, Golgamath. He sighed deeply. Well, we hadn't bargained on a new gurg two days after we'd made friendly contact with the first one. We had a funny feeling Golgamath wouldn't be so keen to listen to us, but we had to try. You went to speak to him? asked Ron incredulously, after you'd watched him rip off another giant's head. Of course we did, said Hagrid. We hadn't got all that way to give up after two days. 
we went down with the next present we'd meant to give to Carcass. I knew it was no go before I'd opened my mouth. He was sitting there, wearing Carcass's helmet, leering at us as we got nearer. He's massive, one of the biggest ones there. Black hair, and matching teeth, and a necklace of bones. Human-looking bones, some of them. Well, I gave it a go, held out a great roll of dragon skin, and said, A gift for the gurg of the giants. Next thing I knew, I was hanging upside down in the air by my feet. Two of his mates had grabbed me. Hermione clapped her hands to her mouth. How did you get out of that? asked Harry. Wouldn't have done if a limp hadn't been there, said Hagrid. She pulled out her wand and did some of the fastest spell work I've ever seen. Ruddy marvellous! Hit the two holding me right in the eyes with conjunctivitis curses, and they dropped me straight away. But we were in trouble then, because we'd used magic against them, and that's what giants hate about wizards. We had to leg it, and we knew there was no way we was going to be able to march back into the camp again. Blimey, Hagrid, said Ron quietly. "'So how come it's taken you so long to get home if you were only there for three days?' asked Hermione. "'We didn't leave after three days,' said Hagrid, looking outraged. "'Dumbledore was relying on us.' "'But you've just said there was no way you could go back. "'Not by daylight. We couldn't know. "'We just had to rethink a bit. "'Spent a couple of days lying low up in the cave and watching. "'And what we saw wasn't good.' "'Did he rip off more heads?' asked Hermione, sounding squeamish. "'No,' said Hagrid. "'I wish he had.' "'What do you mean?' "'I mean we soon found out he didn't object to all wizards. "'Just us.' "'Death Eaters,' said Harry quickly. "'Yep,' said Hagrid darkly. "'Couple of them were visiting him every day, "'bringing gifts to the Gurg, "'and he wasn't dangling them upside down.' "'How do you know they were Death Eaters?' said Ron. "'Because I recognised one of them,' Hagrid growled. "'McNair, remember him? "'Bloke they sent to kill Buckbeak. "'Maniac he is. "'Likes killing as much as Golgamath. "'No wonder they were getting on so well.' "'So McNair's persuaded the giants to join you-know-who?' "'said Hermione desperately. "'Hold your hippogriffs. "'I haven't finished my story yet.' said Hagrid indignantly, who, considering he had not wanted to tell them anything in the first place, now seemed to be rather enjoying himself. Me and Olymp talked it over, and we agreed. Just because the Gurg looked like favouring you-know-who didn't mean all of them would. We had to try and persuade some of the others, the ones who hadn't wanted Golgamath as Gurg. "'How could you tell which ones they were?' asked Ron. "'Well, they were the ones being beaten to a pulp, weren't they?' said Hagrid patiently. "'The ones with any sense were keeping out of Golgamath's way, "'hiding out in caves round the gully, just like we were. "'So we decided we'd go poking round the caves by night "'and see if we couldn't persuade a few of them.' "'You went poking around dark caves looking for giants,' said Ron, "'with awed respect in his voice.' "'Well, it wasn't the giants who worried us most,' said Hagrid. "'We were more concerned about the Death Eaters. "'Dumbledore had told us before we went not to tangle with them if we could avoid it. "'And the trouble was they knew we was around. "'Spec Golgamath told them about us. "'At night, when the giants were sleeping, 
and we wanted to be creeping into the caves, McNair and the other one were sneaking round the mountains looking for us. Well, it was hard put to stop a limp jumping out at them, said Hagrid, the corners of his mouth, lifting his wild beard. She was raring to attack him. She's something when she's roused a limp. Fiery, you know. <laughs> Spect it's the French in her. Hagrid gazed misty-eyed into the fire. Harry allowed him thirty seconds of reminiscence before clearing his throat loudly. <coughs> so, what happened? Did you ever get near any of the other giants? What? Oh, oh, yeah, we did, yeah. On the third night after Carcass was killed, we crept out of the cave we'd been hiding in and headed back down into the gully, keeping our eyes skinned for the Death Eaters. Got inside of a few of the caves, no go. Then, in about the sixth one, we found three giants hiding. Cave must have been cramped, said Ron. Wasn't room to swing a kneesel said Hagrid. "'Didn't they attack you when they saw you?' asked Hermione. "'Probably would have done if they'd been in any condition,' said Hagrid. "'But they was badly hurt, all three of them. Golgamath's lot had beaten them unconscious. They'd woken up and crawled into the nearest shelter they could find. Anyway, one of them had a bit of English, and he translated for the others. And what we had to say didn't seem to go down too badly, so we kept going back, visiting the wounded—' I reckon we had about six or seven of them convinced at one point. Six or seven, said Ron eagerly. Well, that's not bad. Are they going to come over here and start fighting you-know-who with us? But Hermione said, What do you mean, at one point, Hagrid? Hagrid looked at her sadly. Golgamath's lot raided the caves. The ones that survived didn't want no more to do with us after that. So, so there aren't any giants coming? said Ron, looking disappointed. Nope, said Hagrid, heaving a deep sigh as he turned over his stake and applied the cooler side to his face. But we did what we meant to do. We gave them Dumbledore's message, and some of them heard it, and I expect some of them will remember it. Just maybe them that don't want to stay around Golgamath will move out of the mountains, and there's got to be a chance they'll remember Dumbledore's friendly to him. Could be they'll come. Snow was filling up the window now. Harry became aware that the knees of his robe were soaked through. Fang was drooling with his head in Harry's lap. "'Hagrid,' said Hermione quietly after a while. Mm? "'Did you—was there any sign of—did you hear anything about your—your mother—while you were there?' Hagrid's unobscured eye rested upon her, and Hermione looked rather scared. "'I'm sorry. I... forget it.' "'Dead,' Hagrid grunted. "'Died years ago. They told me.' "'Oh, I'm... I'm really sorry,' said Hermione in a very small voice. Hagrid shrugged his massive shoulders. "'No need,' he said shortly. "'Can't remember her much. Wasn't a great mother.' They were silent again. Hermione glanced nervously at Harry and Ron, plainly wanting them to speak. "'But you still haven't explained how you got in this state, Hagrid,' Ron said, gesturing towards Hagrid's blood-stained face. "'Or why you're back so late,' said Harry. "'Sirius says Madame Maxime got back ages ago.' "'Who attacked you?' said Ron. "'I haven't been attacked,' said Hagrid emphatically. "'I—' 
but the rest of his words were drowned in a sudden outbreak of rapping on the door. Hermione gasped. Her mug slipped through her finger and smashed on the floor. Fang yelped. All four of them stared at the window beside the doorway. The shadow of somebody small and squat rippled across the thin curtain. "'It's her!' Ron whispered. "'Get under here,' Harry said, quickly, seizing the invisibility cloak. He whirled it over himself and Hermione, while Ron tore around the table and dived under the cloak as well. Huddled together, they backed away into a corner. Fang was barking madly at the door. Hagrid looked thoroughly confused. "'Hagrid, hide our mugs!' Hagrid seized Harry and Ron's mugs and shoved them under the cushion in Fang's basket. Fang was now leaping up at the door. Hagrid pushed him out of the way with his foot and pulled it open. Professor Umbridge was standing in the doorway, wearing her green tweed cloak and a matching hat with ear flaps. Lips pursed, she leaned back so as to see Hagrid's face. She barely reached his navel. So she said, slowly and loudly, as though speaking to somebody deaf. "'You're Hagrid, are you?' Without waiting for an answer, she strolled into the room, her bulging eyes rolling in every direction. "'Get away!' she snapped, waving her handbag at Fang, who had bounded up to her and was attempting to lick her face. Uh, "'I don't want to be rude,' said Hagrid, staring at her. "'But who the ruddy hell are you?' "'My name is Dolores Umbridge.' Her eyes were sweeping the cabin. Twice they stared directly into the corner where Harry stood, sandwiched between Ron and Hermione. "'Dolores Umbridge?' Hagrid said, sounding thoroughly confused. "'I thought you were one of them ministry. Don't you work with fudge?' "'I was senior undersecretary to the minister, yes.' said Umbridge, now pacing around the cabin, taking in every tiny detail within, from the haversack against the wall to the abandoned travelling cloak. I am now the Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher. That's brave of you, said Hagrid. There's not many who'd take that job any more. And Hogwarts High Inquisitor, said Umbridge, giving no sign that she had heard him. What's that? said Hagrid, frowning. "'Precisely what I was going to ask,' said Umbridge, pointing at the broken shards of china on the floor that had been Hermione's mug. "'Oh,' said Hagrid, with a most unhelpful glance towards the corner where Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood hidden. "'Oh, that was, was Fang. He broke a mug. So I had to use this one instead.' Hagrid pointed to the mug from which he had been drinking, one hand still clamped over the dragon stake pressed to his eye. Umbridge stood facing him now, taking in every detail of his appearance instead of the cabin's. "'I heard voices,' she said quietly. "'I was talking to Fang,' said Hagrid stoutly. "'And was he talking back to you?' "'Well, in a manner of speaking,' said Hagrid, looking uncomfortable. "'I sometimes say Fang's near enough human.' "'There are three sets of footprints in the snow, leading from the castle doors to your cabin,' said Umbridge sleekly. Hermione gasped. Harry clapped a hand over her mouth. Luckily Fang was sniffing loudly around the hem of Professor Umbridge's robes, and she did not appear to have heard. 
"'Well, I only just got back,' said Hagrid, waving an enormous hand at the haversack. "'Maybe someone came to call earlier, and I missed him.' "'There are no footsteps leading away from your cabin door.' "'Well, I—I I don't know why that'd be,' said Hagrid, tugging nervously at his beard, and again glancing towards the corner where Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood, as though asking for help. "'Um—' Umbridge wheeled round and strode the length of the cabin, looking around carefully. She bent and peered under the bed. She opened Hagrid's cupboards. She passed within two inches of where Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood pressed against the wall. Harry actually pulled in his stomach as she walked by. After looking carefully inside the enormous cauldron Hagrid used for cooking, she wheeled round again and said, "'What has happened to you?' How did you sustain those injuries? Hagrid hastily removed the dragon stake from his face, which in Harry's opinion was a mistake, because the black and purple bruising all around his eye was now clearly visible, not to mention the large amount of fresh and congealed blood on his face. Oh, I had a bit of an accident, he said lamely. What sort of accident? I, I tripped. You tripped? she repeated coolly. "'Yeah, that's right. Uh, over, over a friend's broomstick. I don't fly myself. Well, look at the size of me. I don't reckon there's a broomstick that'd hold me. Friend of mine breeds Abraxan horses. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Big beasts. Winged, you know. I've had a bit of a ride on one of them, and it was—' "'Where have you been?' asked Umbridge, cutting coolly through Hagrid's babbling. "'Where have I been?' "'Yes,' she said. "'Term started two months ago.' "'Another teacher has had to cover your classes. "'None of your colleagues has been able to give me any information as to your whereabouts. "'You left no address. Where have you been?' "'There was a pause in which Hagrid stared at her with his newly uncovered eye. "'Harry could almost hear his brain working furiously. "'I—I've been away from the elf,' he said. "'For your health,' said Professor Umbridge.' Her eyes travelled over Hagrid's discoloured and swollen face. Dragon blood dripped gently and silently onto his waistcoat. "'I see.' "'Yeah,' said Hagrid. "'Bit of, of fresh air, you know.' "'Yes. As gamekeeper, fresh air must be so difficult to come by,' said Umbridge sweetly. The small patch of Hagrid's face that was not black or purple flushed. "'Well,' "'Change a scene, you know.' "'Mountain scenery?' said Umbridge swiftly. "'She knows,' Harry thought desperately. "'Mountains?' Hagrid repeated, clearly thinking fast. "'No, south of France for me. Bit of sun and, and sea.' "'Really?' said Umbridge. "'You don't have much of a tan.' "'Yeah, well, sensitive skin,' said Hagrid, attempting an ingratiating smile. Harry noticed that two of his teeth had been knocked out. Umbridge looked at him coldly. His smile faltered. Then she hoisted her handbag a little higher into the crook of her arm, and said, "'I shall, of course, be informing the minister of your late return.' "'Right,' said Hagrid, nodding. "'You ought to know, too, that as High Inquisitor, it is my unfortunate but necessary duty—' to inspect my fellow teachers. So I dare say we shall meet again soon enough. She turned sharply and marched back to the door.
"'You're inspecting us?' Hagrid echoed blankly, looking after her. "'Oh, yes,' said Umbridge softly, looking back at him with her hand on the door-handle. "'The Ministry is determined to weed out unsatisfactory teachers, Hagrid. "'Good night.' She left, closing the door behind her with a snap. Harry made to pull off the invisibility cloak, but Hermione seized his wrist. "'Not yet.' she breathed in his ear. She might not be gone yet. Hagrid seemed to be thinking the same way. He stumped across the room and pulled back the curtain an inch or so. She's going back to the castle, he said in a low voice. Blimey! Inspecting people, is she? Yeah, said Harry, pulling off the cloak. Trelawney's on probation already. Um, what sort of thing are you planning to do with us in class, Hagrid? asked Hermione. "'Oh, don't you worry about that. I've got a great load of lessons planned,' said Hagrid enthusiastically, scooping up his dragon-steak from the table and slapping it over his eye again. "'I've been keeping a couple of creatures saved for your O.W.L. year. You wait. There's something really special.' "'Um, special in what way?' asked Hermione tentatively. "'I'm not saying,' said Hagrid happily. "'I don't want to spoil the surprise.' Look, Hagrid, said Hermione urgently, dropping all pretense, Professor Umbridge won't be at all happy if you bring anything to class that's too dangerous. Dangerous? said Hagrid, looking genially bemused. Don't be silly. I wouldn't give you anything dangerous. I mean, all right, they can look after themselves. Hagrid, you've got to pass Umbridge's inspection, and to do that it would really be better if she saw you teaching us how to look after Porlocks. "'How to tell the difference between canals and hedgehogs? "'Stuff like that,' said Hermione earnestly. "'But that's not very interesting, Hermione,' said Hagrid. "'The stuff I've got's much more impressive. "'I've been bringing them on for years. "'I reckon I've got the only domestic herd in Britain.' "'Hagrid, please,' said Hermione, "'a note of real desperation in her voice. "'Umbridge is looking for any excuse to get rid of teachers "'she thinks are too close to Dumbledore.' "'Please, Hagrid, teach us something dull that's bound to come up in our O.W.L.' But Hagrid merely yawned widely, and cast a one-eyed look of longing towards the vast bed in the corner. "'Listen, it's been a long day, and it's late,' he said, patting Hermione gently on the shoulder, so that her knees gave way, and she hit the floor with a thud. "'Oh, sorry.' He pulled her back up by the neck of her robes. "'Look!' Don't you go worrying about me. I promise you I've got really good stuff planned for your lessons now I'm back. Now, you lot had better get back up to the castle, and don't forget to wipe your footprints out behind you. I don't know if you got through to him, said Ron a short while later, when, having checked that the coast was clear, they walked back up to the castle through the thickening snow, leaving no trace behind them due to the obliteration charm Hermione was performing as they went. "'Then I'll go back again tomorrow,' said Hermione determinedly. "'I'll plan his lessons for him if I have to. "'I don't care if she throws out Trelawney, "'but she's not getting rid of Hagrid.'